0: Here it is. Season two. Do we call it season two? It's year two. Episode 42 of the Juicebox podcast. My goodness, I've been doing this for a year already. 41 episodes in, things going strong. Actually stronger than you might imagine. So uh, instead of an ad today, I'm going to tell you about uh, a type 1 diabetes charity that I'm supporting called Beyond Type 1. But you know what? Instead of me telling you about them, uh, why don't I let actor Victor Garber tell you? Welcome to Beyond Type 1, a new brand of philanthropy, leveraging the power of social media and technology, creating and empowering a global Type 1 community. By providing education, support, and resources, Beyond Type 1 will bridge the gap from diagnosis to cure, allowing people to live well today while funding research for a better tomorrow. Beyond Type 1 is home base for anything related to type one and people like me and me join us so when you're done here with this episode why don't you check out dot one.org uh, beyond type one was uh, started by by a few really great people and they're supported by some names you might know not just victor garber but Sam Talbot and and Nick Jonas. Uh, check out beyondtype1.org to learn more about what they're trying to do and join me right now in thanking them because after you listen to episode 42 of the podcast right now and hear all about Kelly's time with the bionic pancreas which trust me you are going to find absolutely amazing. Next week we're going to we're going to um, have episode 43 come out on January 15th and give it a little extra time uh, because the guest is Victor Garber. And Victor is gonna sit with me and talk for an hour about his type one diabetes. And he's got a new television show coming out on the CW called Legends of Tomorrow. Make sure you uh, subscribe now and tell a friend. Don't miss next week's. Don't miss right now with Kelly. And do not forget to go to beyondtype1.org and see what they're up to. Test, test, test. Mm -hmm. Testing, hey guys, I am about to call Kelly. And Kelly has been on a bionic, bionic, a bionic, that's not a word. Kelly has been on a bionic pancreas trial. This is gonna be, this is gonna be cool. Ready? Kelly.
1: Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Excellent,
0: thank you. You contacted me, actually, a number of weeks ago and said, I'm about to enter a bionic pancreas trial and maybe I could talk about it on the podcast after I'm done. And you are done now.
1: Yes, I am done. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so a little background. How did you, um, where was the trial at? How did you get involved? Exactly. Sure.
1: Sure, um, well first actually one of your followers, uh, a mom that um, I had kind of helped with her daughter before, um, that has type one, she was a part of your group and she had reached out to me When she saw me doing the bionic pancreas trial and said, hey, would you ever be interested in doing a podcast? It looks like um, that's something that could be great on this site. So that's when I um, had reached out to you at that point. So it kind of goes to her. Oh, Thank you Uh, to her.
0: Uh, And uh, everyone should feel free to do that. That definitely is how the podcast gets around and grows and and gets interesting guests. So cool.
1: Yeah, so um, kind of my my quick background is um, I've had type 1 since I was 13. Um, so now going on, uh, 24 years, um, and I am a registered nurse and a diabetes educator as well. Um, I used to work in pediatrics, um, at Joslin years ago and part of their children's camps. And, um, then I uh, moved and started family and uh, moved up uh, north of Boston and now work as an adult diabetes educator in pregnancy and um, type 1, type 2 and the whole nine yards. How um, much,
0: I was going to just say how much about your background do you think helped you get into the study or do you not think it had an effect?
1: Um, I think it had a little bit of an effect. Um, one of the nurses that was part of the study Um, I used to work with her. And so I had kind of shot a little note to her, um, mentioning that if there was ever any, um, studies that were open, um, that would fit my criteria that I'd love to be part of it. Um, and so she said she'd put my name in and reach out, you know, if anything was, uh, to come up. Right. Um, but on top of that, um, I was at the American Diabetes Conference, um, and, um, in June. And I saw uh, Dr. Damiano and Dr. Russell speak and they were pretty hounded with everyone there trying to talk to them. So I never officially got to go talk to them, but I actually sent a personal email um, to them and shockingly, they responded that day, um, which I was pretty floored and um, just mentioned that I lived in the Boston area and I'd love to be a part of these trials and um dr damiano cc'd his nurse and said make sure kelly's a part of this next one
0: a hey, so, little right place right time that's excellent yeah, so yeah. okay so let's kind of go back where where did the trial take place again
1: um it took place at vast general in boston
0: and how long did it run for
1: the first this trial was for six weeks
0: six weeks okay um so bionic pancreas let's make sure just in case people don't, don't exactly know what that may or may not mean. So you had a insulin pump on that had insulin in it, right? Yes. Yeah,
1: so we had two insulin pumps. Um, currently they're just, um, they're using two tandem, um, insulin pumps, mm-hmm. one with insulin in it and one with glucagon in it. So okay. I have two insertions just for that alone. um, and then they have the bionic pancreas which they call the brick um which is just a bigger device that has like a cell phone looking um device and on the flip side of it has the dexcom sensor and then there was another insertion obviously for that was there um,
0: was this um did this setup have glucagon or was this a non no glucagon this
1: this was glucagon okay yep
0: so there's a pump with glucagon and there's a pump with insulin and then there's a dexcom sensor and all this is kind of being fed into this little touchscreen phone kind of thingy. Correct. That makes sense. Okay. Um, are you? I just have to stop you for one second. Are you wearing headphones? No. Do you think you could? Because I'm hearing myself bounce back. Do you have like iPhone headphones that have a mic in them by any chance? Um,
1: let me see if I have headphones. I have headphones. I don't know if I have a mic, but let me look to see.
0: It's possible the mic will still work on the iPad while you're watching the headphones. So, where are you wearing the headphones? Okay. you're very clear and uh i don't want i don't want people to get over is this better can you still hear me
1: yeah i can hear you i
0: can hear you we're good excellent um okay so so there's an insulin pump that has insulin in it there's an insulin pump that has glucagon in it there is a dexcom sensor that's tracking your blood sugar it all kind of feeds into this touchscreen. and what understanding of how the system worked did they give you
1: Basically, not a lot. Um, They basically, it it took over everything. The only information the device needed Mm -hmm. was our current weight. It had nothing to do, we didn't have to have any knowledge of basals, ratios, anything like that. We just needed to know our current weight. They plugged it into this device and based upon whatever algorithm the engineers have put into it, it would start. Figuring out based upon starting point of weight, how much insulin we needed background to continuously run, and then um the longer you were wearing it, the longer it um, it it knew how much you needed for food and so, so
0: the algorithm continued to make changes based on feedback that it was getting from the dexcom and from
1: the dexcom every five minutes it right. basically that sensor every five minute reading it would track to see. Oop, oh, you're rising. Let's give some insulin. You're steady. Let's keep going. You're dropping. Let's give glucagon.
0: And okay, so it would adjustments actually get made automatically to basal and, and automatically to boluses. Yep. Wow, that's so cool. I oh. the,
1: on, the only thing that I had to do was to um calibrate it twice a day. Um so I physically only did two blood sugars a day, which was really like amazing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um and then I just had to announce my meals, meaning just at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. um, It didn't ask carbs. So the device does not calculate carbs. You just, it asks you for breakfast, are you having a small bite? Are you having less than typical meal, a typical meal, or more than typical? So the first day or two, it takes a little bit for the device to figure out like what your typical meal is to know portion-wise. Sure. Um, But then- of got it. it actually got it really fast for me, like by you know I put it on Monday night and by Tuesday, it was trucking along to give me the right amount of insulin, you know ninety percent of the time. That's
0: crazy. How about the glucagon? How much of it gets used like it, because if it's constantly giving you insulin and then you're getting low, so you're getting glucagon and it's going back and forth and it's then it's not a very well balanced thing but but if it's not, then the glucagon is just there for kind of emergencies.
1: It truly was there. There were some days I didn't get any, um, glucagon. Um, and then there were other days that I got it a lot and it just depended. We were on different targets each week. So like the group of us that were in there one week, we would be on like a target of 100. And obviously that's the week we probably got a little bit more glucagon than normal. Um, another week it would be like 115, another week, 120, and then we had two weeks of 130 we did have one week of our normal care just to see the comparison and then a week of 145 as the target, which across the board, unanimous, no one liked, <laughs> um, no one liked 145. I think the pretty, um, most people had said kind of the 115, 120, 130, worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, so for instance, in the six weeks, mind you, the device we put on every Monday night, um, with them we had to go to MGH and we came off of it every Thursday night or Friday morning. So we weren't on it on weekends because we had the BU students um would monitor us the whole time we were wearing it and and I think you know for whatever reason the device just we weren't wearing it on weekends um but we would um So for us, like it was kind of like a new session every week. So the device didn't truly get to know us probably to the extent it would is if we had this for our own personal use to take home. Yeah, sure. Um, Because it kind of started a new session every Monday. But um, for me, I, in those, the four, the six weeks I was wearing it, um, obviously minus weekends because I wasn't on it. I only had two lows, which I will tell you is shocking because I usually run really tight and I tend to have more lows because I I do run tight.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so you're a person who's trying to keep their blood sugar, I'm guessing, but around 90 or something like that.
1: I mean, my target is a hundred and I kind of aim okay. for that. Yep. Um, you know, good days, bad days. Right. <laughs> and then
0: sometimes you have low lows more frequently than definitely you did with this. How, um, well, that's pretty cool. How many, did you have highs while you were on it?
1: I did have some highs while I was on it. um, and those were mostly the days that it was right within those first 24 hours that the device was getting used to kind of what my normal amount of food was.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and when I say hi, I mean, I did hit a couple, uh, around, you know, 200, 220, but then it corrected itself and it came down on its own. Um, but Like, one day, I know I said I was having a typical meal, and I definitely had more than typical. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. And was there an ability to go back and go, I lied about the meal size? Or no, once you said it, that's it?
1: Uh, Once you said it, that's it. Like, I think I could have gone back in after talking to the engineers. I think I could have gone back in and said I was now having another small bite, but I don't think I – realized I could potentially do that so I just let it ride and it it I mean it fixed it within a couple hours it wasn't an issue but um I think I was just trying to do breakfast lunch and dinner so it got used to it because the algorithm said that it was in your system for like that three to four hour window so right. I didn't want to like rock the boat in I between see.
0: I because that's what I was going to ask that you just mentioned a little bit but when you had a spike of 200 how long did it take to resolve it?
1: Oh, within within a couple hours it was okay. done. It was and, gone.
0: And was it one of those you were a DEXCOM in your personal life by any chance? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So was it one of those like drastic falls that stopped when the glucagon do, got to it, or was it sort of a ski slope like landing back to where you wanted to be?
1: No, so, ski slope landing back to normal. Yeah. I didn't really need glucagon post the corrections.
0: That's really interesting. It really uh what kind of insulin were they using? Just whatever you were uh, on?
1: No. Uh well, yes. For this one, whatever you were on. Um, but, uh, the device, when it comes out, um, for the population, it will be just Humalog in the beginning. There could be a change over to other insulins, but the device will be pre-filled cartridges and Humalog is the only one that has the pre-filled cartridges to do it at this point in time.
0: Did they say what their timeframe is for bringing it to market?
1: 2018 is what they keep saying. Um, it was 17, but, um, they went in front of, you know, FDA, NIH and, um, The recent information, according to uh, Dr. Damiano, said that they are going to require a um, like six-month trial. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, they're doing all the fundraising. So the fundraising right now, we got to see the smaller device. So even though we wore a lot of devices, the new one that will be coming out in about April-ish will be just one device. So we won't have to have the two pumps and the brick, you know, so you'll still have different in, you know, insertion, but you'll have one physical device. Um,
0: As you're describing how it works, something's occurring to me that that never, as I thought about closed loop or bionic pancreas or whatever you end up calling it, I never thought of before is that it really is the, it's the algorithm that you're, that you're working on. It it could be any, it could be any insulin pump. It could be any, Control panel like it's it's the algorithm. It's the software that that's the that's what when you see different people working on on it, th- that's what they're trying to do. So I get, I'm assuming that after someone comes to market with an algorithm that works, then any pump company could, I guess, buy buy it or, you know, rent it or however the financials would work behind it. But they could get into, a um you know, into into an agreement with somebody and then. I guess the device itself's not really a device. It's—I never thought about it
1: that way before. I guess it's more. Well, I know they won't merge with the pump company. I know very strongly that was pretty much set in stone. Right. Um. And I like—I I think there's a lot of obviously uh, artificial pancreas. You know, things that are out there like Europe here. You know, different d- companies. I've heard yeah. MiniMed. I've heard you know Insulet is now in the works. Like, I mean, they—they uh, they all have to. Everyone's be, be looking at it. It's, yeah. It's, If someone's doing one, you know, in order for them to kind of keep up, they're going to have to jump on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the differences are, and I have not seen the other ones, so I have no person, I have no knowledge of it. Just from what I've heard is, um, you know, some of the other ones uh, do not have glucagon that are a part of them.
0: I've seen that too, Um, yeah. JDRF's starting to talk about that more, about um, bionic pancreas that doesn't have glucagon involved.
1: Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't have data. I don't know trials. I don't know anything of that part. I know only personal use. Um, I, the glucagon was a godsend for me. Mm -hmm. Um, if I didn't have that, I think there would have been a heck of a lot more lows and knowing that I got glucagon almost on a daily basis and it kept me steady. And when I say like the week I had the target of 100, I started just taking pictures. I did videos of the device and like what my readings were. Yeah um and it was pretty amazing that one of them, you know the last day you know the target was 100 and literally from 11am until 5pm i coasted at 97 other than when i had lunch i went up to a rock in 123 you how, know how
0: did you feel once your blood sugar really stabilized and stayed stable for days at a time did it change how you felt in your head I, in your mind and in your body
1: yeah i i mean i felt more energy i felt um You know, I felt whenever my blood sugar goes high, I just you know, I feel uncomfortable, like almost anxiety, kind of like. And I did I didn't feel like that. I felt like almost just mentally more um at peace because I wasn't having to panic that am I low, am I dropping, you know, do I have glucose tabs with me? Do I have juice with me? Like always those checks that everyone does with diabetes. What do I have?
0: You really gave yourself over to it then. Just totally. Yeah. Totally And
1: and it it was nerve wracking, but it was amazing how fast. Like when I would hook up, I was like, "Ah!" Oh, when I'd get in the car, you know, leaving Boston on on Monday nights, I'm like, "I'm back on it again. I'm doing great." And then the week that I was back to my normal care, I'm like, "Oh, this is it, back to normal care." So, so now,
0: and and so you said in the beginning, I'm sorry, but I want to go over it again. You were diagnosed yeah. when you were how old?
1: Thirteen.
0: Thirteen, and that was a long. You so about
1: twenty four years 24 ago.
0: Twenty four years ago. Okay, so you've had type one for twenty four years. You're diagnosed back when I'm assuming. Someone handed you some syringes and was like, hey, go get them, kid. Yeah. Right. And so you've been through a couple of, you know, changes in in the technology. Yeah. What is this a monumental leap between what you're even doing now? Because I'm assuming now you're on a pump and you're using Dexcom, which is pretty much best case scenario for people right now. Yep. Is this a monumental leap from that?
1: 100%. Yeah, I am. 2018 can't come soon enough. Um, I consider myself, you know, very knowledgeable in diabetes. Obviously, it's what I do. Sure. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, um, you know, I get pumps, I get sensors. But, uh, you know, to be fair, you know, as everyone with diabetes knows, you can't get you can't get perfection. This is not a disease to have. If you want perfection in simple things, like I will go out to dinner cover things appropriately, you know, like, oh my gosh, I ate great. And then right after two to three hours later, blood sugar is coasting, looking beautiful. And then the fat content thing kicks in and now you're up, you know, 200 all night and yeah. you're, you know, fighting, you know, 10 basils or bolusine, And, you know, as much as you can get it right, you're not going to get it right a hundred percent of the time. Sure. And I think that is it gets, it gets frustrating. You know, you can do everything right. And then it just doesn't work. And I think you get fried of that. I think you get frustrated with it. I see it day in and day out with the patients. And, um, this device, um, I was able to go have fatty foods. I mean, not that I like went crazy, but I went and had my normal things that I liked and it took care of it for me, you know, and my highs weren't high highs, you know, they were, Ooh, I'm coasting to 160, maybe 170 if I've had a really cruddy meal or, but it covered it. And I didn't have to worry about, let me run a tempezo. Let me correct it. Oh, do I have insulin on board? You know, all those things that you're constantly doing the double checks of. So I think the device is not meant to be a cure. As we know, the device is meant to be something to, um, make life with diabetes a hell of a lot easier for people. Um, and to really help people prevent those severe lows and those severe highs, which as we know is going to help reduce hospital stays, complications and the whole nine yards. So, um, I, I personally can't wait for this. And now knowing it'll be one device, um, uh, it'll be, you know, pre-filled cartridges. It'll be one infusion set, which they're designing, which will be Um, you know, a a needle, it will be like a shorty, like a needle that's a six millimeter straight in, but it's going to kind of piggyback lines out for glucagon or insulin. Um, Like they're getting it to the point of where it, you know, would be for um, what people would want.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, sure. I mean, even as you're describing it, like I'm I'm thinking about you know, like Arden, my daughter uses an Omnipod, and I'm thinking, geez, if they just widened it and flattened it a little bit, they could put two tanks in it even. You, you, you right. know, like, like one could hold glucagon, one could hold insulin if they wanted to. Or where you think about some of the other pumps, like different cartridges, or like there's so many possibilities. I would assume that no matter what it ends up looking like in 2018, that in probably fairly short order after that in the next couple of years, it, it will, I'm assuming, be refined over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. yeah. The nice thing is that they – um you know, they've obviously merged with Dexcom, but they, um, they've they made it so it's not um, – they can – up anytime there's an upgrade in Dexcom, they can easily flip it over. It's not like it's going to take a long time to yeah. be able to now integrate the new software. Right. Um, so that was easy. They said they will be probably merging it with, like, an, a phone, but that ideally they're not going to probably – have, you can't dose yourself off the phone. I think there's a little bit of back and forth of, you know, is, there, is it safe to be able to do that? And if kids have this, you know, are they going to be dosing themselves off of, you know, um, potentially the phone versus the device? You know, so there's kind of back and forth on that. Um, it'll all work itself out. It'll work itself out. And I think, yeah. I mean, once again, like any of the medical devices we've seen for diabetes, there's a first, you know, there's a first line and then it keeps kind of changing depending upon what's needed. Um, yeah.
0: Do you, yep. you mentioned a Dexcom was involved in the trial because they're using it. Do you happen to know? Because as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking since the trial is pre-FDA approved, you were probably using the Generation 6 Dexcom too, right? Or do you well, not know?
1: No. Um, I know we do. What one were we on? I think actually we were. Because yeah. I think they said that we were up on the newest one, even though it hasn't been like. You know, everyone being out on it. So that I think that just you're made actually sense right. while
0: you were talking. Like, I don't know why I yep. would use now technology if there's, you know, because technology, yeah, yeah, let's not let's, you know, don't. There's no reason to be coy about it. The generation six Dexcom exists. It's going through the FDA process. It's, you know, right. it's not like it doesn't exist in the world. So if right. you're going to use it for something that's not already not approved by the FDA, why not use what you know? Get everything kind of as as now as possible. So okay, so so then there's even like more predictive data that's coming because you mentioned like if I have a meal and then later that night kind of the fat you know components kind of kick in in a second I might get you to explain that to people but yeah but so that the idea of you know you've had everything under control for a couple of hours after you've eaten all of a sudden you start drifting up and then bang you're 220 and it won't move it feels like no amount of insulin the real honesty of the fact is is that even without a you know, without a a bionic pancreas, if at the right time, you knew that was going to happen before it happened, you could ball us for it. But there's too many, there's too many influences. It's nothing you could track as a human being and go, oh, I know that at this exact time this is going to happen. But this sensor is, is, is seeing something happening before it's happening, and Definitely. then telling the, the device, look, we're going to need insulin soon, so we might as well do it now. And then that's how it kind of rem- – it's it, it's funny when you say it kind of overly simplistically like that. It feels like, oh, I should be able to do this without this device. Y- right. y- y- you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that almost makes it seem – I don't know how it makes you feel, Kelly, but as I'm saying it out loud now, it, 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 for the future, it just it seems wonderful. And for the present, it feels sad to me. Like, it feels sad to me that I have the right stuff –
1: and I just can't
0: do it. I just, it's just, we're missing like one step. Yeah. You know, and that, that really is, that it somehow makes the highs and the lows feel worse. You know, you know what I mean? I don't know why, but
1: it does. Yeah. And then, you know, you're, um, you know, the, the one thing, where was I going to go with this one? The, um, when i you know i know a lot of people in the trial like they were saying that they were going to go get you know the chocolate fudge brownies like they were going to go get like everything and like mess with it and i don't know yeah i don't know how theirs kind of like you know went, and i don't know what happened but we were over kind of think uh halloween time so i know there was plenty of candy that was brought into the mix right um so it would be interesting to what their data shows. Um, I do know that they had mentioned that based upon the data they'd done with us, uh, you know, at that point in Stanford when they just finished a trial, that um, the data was showing that their average blood sugars were kind of A1Cs. I'm sorry, were mm. averaging around six point five to seven point two, depending upon kind of where they came in and how high they were in initially. Right. Um,
0: but I- so like. But the yep. point is you could still you can still eat poorly with a bionic pancreas and it'll still affect your your, right. your long-term health yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean you don't want you don't want you still want to be smart about things um, <laughs> wouldn't,
0: wouldn't it be odd if the the if the implementation of the bionic pancreas caused type one diabetics to just eat like crazy be and become overweight <laughs> like a bunch of people who before that were like you know i'm in really good control of my health because i'm so aware of my blood sugar and everything if they were just like i got this thing and i eat pizza for two How years out. Yeah, yeah 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 trust me that's gonna happen to somebody oh, <laughs> and, I'm sorry, yeah I'm sorry. yeah. but and that's such an it's such an odd because my daughter's a good example she's just not really a sweet to begin with like mm-hmm. i'm looking across the room at a bowl of candy from halloween that i'm gonna have to dump in the garbage soon because she doesn't yeah. really touch it you, you, you know it was halloween for her was like going out with her friends and you take the candy because it's there and yeah, then yeah. she comes back and she doesn't, you know, you know, she had a salad last night with her dinner and, and she's 11 and she's like, I'm going to have a salad. I'm like, of course you are. While my son who's 16. I'm like, could you just eat something green? And he's, I know. you know, no. And walks away from me. And he's so active and athletic that he just pushes through it because he's constantly moving and burning everything off and growing and all this stuff. And I'm always telling him, like, it's going to catch up. You have to teach yourself how to eat some of these foods that you don't particularly like. And. He's the not
1: battles right. we all go through with our uh, kids.
0: Oh my God! So how many kids? Yeah. Do you, what do you got? I, I mean, I, I hear,
1: have two I children. I have a, a daughter who's seven and who won't touch a green anything and mm-hmm. only eats candy, and um, and then I have a son who's four and a half who likes only fruit and vegetables. So you know, yeah. <laughs> two different extremes.
0: Were you? But, did you? Did uh, you by yeah. any chance um, have cravings when you were pregnant that are similar to how your kids eat now?
1: Um,
0: happened to my wife. And that's why I was just wondering. I, I it could have just well,
1: been Well, I no, not, not, not really. always. No. no. I mean, I was a big fruit person and cheese person from both and my daughter won't touch either. Yeah,
0: that's something. <laughs>
1: but who knows? They're just two opposites.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Um, oh, and are we married? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um
1: And he came with me to listen to the Dr. Damiano because he's fascinated. I think my husband would love to someday just be their finance guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean, obviously someone's gonna get someone's gonna grab this brass ring and be first. Yeah, and, and you know, and have a and have a, a an algorithm that really works. But I, as much as you said that they they were really steadfast about, we're not going to partner with a with an insulin pump company. That I understand. But you would think business wise, they would have to license it at some point.
1: Um, I don't know. Like everything, it, I mean, I and now no, I'm, I'm sure just you don't. But yeah, I'm just kind of. It sounded almost like. Um, yeah, they didn't want to, they didn't want to merge within a pump company because obviously they've worked so hard and, you know, the group of them that were there, they were with us the whole time. There's like, you know, five of them and they're, they were so nice and there for everything and just a great team. And they, I mean, they don't want one of these big companies coming in and, you know, wrecking it and, you know, all their hard work goes out the window or they, they don't want this to be a pump. And that's the big thing. I think from what I've heard, and once again, no, nothing I've heard that, um, one of the pump. C- companies, mini med, that's going to be making one, it really functions like you still have like a basal, you still have ratios. Don't know any truth just from what I've heard that it's, you still need to have that knowledge. And this is supposed to be, you walk out of the hospital, you know, new diagnosis, you plug in your weight and obviously get taught how to use it, but it's pretty simple. Um, and not have to know what carb. you know, not have to know the background of carb counting and ratios and basals and how do you adjust this and how do you adjust that? But it's supposed to be pretty simple um so i i think that they don't they just want to be able to make their changes do the things that they want to do and not have a big company kind of wreck it
0: yeah per se. it's interesting <laughs> well it's is, it is so interesting because they they have this algorithm but they don't have pumps so they're using other pumps and and then is that so how would it break down in the end as an end user Would i need to get my endo to write me a prescription for enough, you know, enough insulin pumps and ins- to do all this and then I would just take it home and that's how I would use the pump.
1: No, well, the only, de- the, the device, they're going to make their own. So, like, they're, if, if, actually, I have a picture of it, um, but it's also, if you go on their website, you know, bionicpancreas.com, mm-hmm. they have a new, on that, I think it brings you to, like, their old site, and there's, like, a section where you can click, and it brings to their new one. It shows on there the new one that they have. They are not going to be using any pumps on the market. They have then created their own physical device. I see. Okay. So, It won't have anything to do with pumps. It will be the Dexcom software that will be um, integrated into this device. But it looks similar to an iPhone. Okay. Um, it looks like it's a, like a touchscreen. It's, um, it has two cartridges that pop in. You see the tubing, um, the two tubing that will like kind of piggyback together so they won't be loose out. Yeah. Um, and it'll feed into what they're now creating is their new infusion set. Right. Um, that's something that's not on the market. So they do have to make, um, and then that's it. That's you interesting. know, so because, so there won't be any pumps in, at all involved. Right. In it. It's just tandem while we're doing these trials, because but that's
0: it. Yeah, because they're still working on their thing. And, you know, it's yeah. interesting. Now that you said it like that, it made me think Dexcom's the only outside company with a real, like, because no matter which bionic, bionic pancreas, you know, trial it is, and there's a lot of people making closed loop, sims, uh, closed loop systems, yeah. they're all relying on Dexcom. Yeah. But, yeah. And so they're the ones that really have the they've got to be the ones that kind of are smiling a little bit in the background and waiting for this to happen because
1: they're, they're psyched. Yeah. Because when <laughs>
0: all these different, all these different closed loop systems go on the market, they're going to be an inter- an integral part of the entire thing. I, yeah. I don't know about you, but as a CDE, I would assume you agree with me as someone who wears one. I think people should leave the hospital at diagnosis with a, with a glucose monitor. Like I don't, you know, I, I was just talking to a woman this morning, a mother, her daughter is, I think she said three years old, she's had type one for a year. And, you know, she's using, she's just now, they're giving her a glucose mod, they're just now giving her a pump. But, you know, in her everyday life, her daughter's blood sugar goes from 100 to 400 to 250, back to 300, you know, down to 70. She has no, you know, she's doing her best. And, and her blood, the kid's blood sugar is everywhere. Hey, just a really quick break here in the middle of Kelly's interview to remind you one more time to check out beyondtype1.org. They're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, everywhere you'll find them as Beyond Type 1, just the numeral one, at B-E-Y-O-N-D-T-Y-P-E-1. Really worth your time and effort. Uh, be supporters, give them likes, follow them wherever you can. Give them a shout out on social media and thank them for setting me up with Victor Garber. And yeah. and I I spoke to another woman just last week, she's going to be on the podcast soon, <clears throat> which is really cool that she was going to do this. So I'm on Facebook one Thursday night. My wife is watching Scandal. I'm trying to pretend I don't love Scandal. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm looking on Facebook at the same time. And there's this mom who is just like, she's posting pictures of her, of her child's CGM graph. And it is all over the place. I mean, it looks like it looks like a it looks like the kid's having a heart attack and it's monitoring their heart. It's low and it's high and it's 400 and it's, you know, it's everywhere. And everyone's trying to give her advice, you know, on Facebook. And all I, I thought was, my God, I was like, this is how people are learning how to take care of their, their diabetes. It's through Facebook comments while other people are watching scandal, which is what I'm like, like, is how I'm imagining it in the back of my head. And so I start to respond to her and I stop and I just say to her, would you call me for a minute? Like would you be willing to call a person you don't know on the phone? And she and I spoke for less than 10 minutes. And I told her by Monday we're going to have this fixed. And she sent me a graph on Sunday where her kid was never above like 110 the whole day. And if I told you this the simple steps that she just had fi- had to aff- she had to figure them out on her own because her Endo wouldn't tell them to her. And then once she figured them out, she didn't have the courage to try them because they were so anti what she had been told by her doctor that she was following what she was being told. And the kid's blood sugar was 400. And and I said some simple things to her, which was no more or less like, you know, we're going to have to pre-bolus, um, you know, if – if you have a meal and you see the kid's blood sugar goes over 160, we're bolusing again. Now she has a Dexcom, so she can see the the blood sugar. You know, okay. I said we're going to lean heavily on your CGM. We're going to we're going to take the theory that it is much easier to stop a low or a falling blood sugar than it is to affect a high blood sugar. We're just going to use these couple of these couple of thoughts and let's go. And four days later, I wish you could see the graph she sent me. It's beautiful, and and, right. it, and it's just. It sucks that that's how people find out about this stuff is like that they're on like, you know, I I, I love the Facebook groups and, and where people are willing to help and everything. I think that's wonderful. I genuinely think that's wonderful. But it's difficult to get medical advice from 17 different people who all have a different thought about your problem, mm-hmm. y- y- you know, and, and then it all just seems so helpless at some point, which is where she was at. She said she just felt helpless. and And, you know, how come... I don't know how come it, it it can be simpler and we even some people have the technology to make it simpler and then they don't have these couple of thoughts. I'm excited for an idea where I somebody's going to leave the hospital attached to something where you don't even have to understand it and it's going to work better than what I just described. Like that sounds yeah. that just sounds otherworldly and beautiful to me. Like as a person who left the hospital with a handful of needles and and a Right, you know, yeah. You know, after after practicing giving shots in a towel for a, a half an hour, I think is what they did, or a, right. a, a banana or something like that. Um, so so you've now you've seen like kind of all sides of it. You see people in their everyday life. You're trying to help them. What's the biggest impediment for you as a certified diabetes educator? Like, I'm sure you have the same feeling, like when someone comes and talks to you and they're having problems, do you feel like, gosh, if I just went home with them for a couple of days, we could fix this? Do you have that feeling like all day long?
1: Yeah. I mean, I always say, you know, I can't, I can't, I do say like, I can't go home with you. Like I'm, I'm here, I see you, you know, whenever it is, sometimes mm-hmm. insurance limits it that I can only see them every six months, you know, like right. it's, it's crazy, you know, what some of the um, insurances will do. Um, because we are quote unquote, just educators and not medical when it comes to a doctor, which drives me crazy. Um, but you know, I think, um, a lot of people, you have a lot of issues that come up. I think a lot of people are very fearful of lows. Um, obviously, you know, they, they see what could happen or they've heard and they, or they've had a really bad experience. So you have the population that just drives themselves high all the time because they just feel better about it. And of course they feel better because they are always high. So they feel great um and then you know you have um you know at least kind of in the adult world um you know in the pediatric world when i was in the pediatric world um i think the hard part is you're dealing with not just the um child you're dealing with the whole family and um i think it's depending upon the age of the family or the child um very difficult i mean it's got to be so hard as a parent to just sit back and and, you know, you want to be involved and you want to do everything you can for them. Um, but also, you can't do everything and be everywhere with them, you know. So having devices that are out there like sensors and like pumps, I think those can be very helpful. Um, especially now, some of the sensors that, you know, you don't even have to be with a child and you can see, you know, the blood sugar on their cell phone or different things, you know, it makes them feel more comfortable.
0: I am. Um, I am, as you and I are talking... I've been bumping Arden's blood sugar around. She had a spike this morning at like eight thirty. Yeah. And at ten fifteen she got down to like seventy. Oh, who th- is that? Hey buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she got down to like seventy six and we've been bumping it up slowly for like the last forty five minutes. She's ninety six now, and I'm doing that because I can see her blood sugar.
1: Right. Yeah. And like how amazing is that? Like you couldn't do I mean, when I was diagnosed, like you I mean there was nothing like that. So I think things have gotten so much easier, but they've also gotten a little harder and to the degree that I think um, pump, pumps and, and, you know, pumps specifically, I would say, aren't for everyone. You know, we have plenty of population that come in and they just think that, you know, the device is going to be like a bio pancreas and they do nothing and it's just going to take over. So, you know, there's a population that's not good for pumps. There's a population that won't ever check blood sugars. So we know that's not safe with pumps. Right, right. Um, and, y- you know, you, I think that makes it difficult because I don't think that, um, you know, as we're talking about people walking out of the hospital, you know, with a device on, I think yes, for some that would be probably, you know, perfect. And then others, it would it would not be good because they need to learn even the basics of diabetes for simple things like their pump breaks How do they even give an injection, draw up, you know, figure out their doses, you know? So I, I think we do need to have some of that basic knowledge, um, and it's also really overwhelming. Like the diagnosis is so overwhelming for yourself, let alone if it's now a family involved, the family. I Uh, totally
0: understand what, and because as you get more time with diabetes, you start thinking, you start having these thoughts like, well, why didn't someone tell me this? And then if you can put yourself back in your own shoes at the beginning, I, I've said before, like if someone would have told me all that on day one, I may have just drove the car off an overpass on the way home, Probably. you know, and yeah. been like, you know what?
1: My life is over.
0: <laughs> it didn't work out. You know, we tried, yeah. whatever. And but and so I get the, the the slow part, like like feeding it to you a little slowly. But there are times, and I think the internet has shown me, that there are... There are people who need it fed to them slower, and there are people who could handle it quicker. But yeah. we, least common denominator everything, because as, as doctors, the doctors don't know who they're talking to. They don't know if they're talking to you know, the Porsche of, of diabetes understanding or if they're talking to the, you know, the Hyundai of diabetes understanding. They don't know. So everything gets least common denominator. Then people are forced out into the world to try to figure things out. And they get it piecemeal from here and there. And then they're forced to try to figure that out again. That and that ends up taking years, like literally years, to, to, to pull it all together. And in that time, you, you come to realize that, you know, all that, you know, sometimes if you could just, like you said, go back to the doctor more frequently and make more adjustments, but their insurance doesn't you know, doesn't allow for it or whatever it ends up being. I just, I hate the idea that a doctor s- uh, makes an adjustment to someone's pump and says, come back in three months and we'll look at it again and see what happened. Right. Like that just makes me sad, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that that's the best, that that's the best we could figure out because honestly, you know, if my story is telling you anything from the other night and we'll tell you when I, when I speak to this person and, and, and put out like when she tells you how this weekend went, when she and I were talking, she's struggling for a very long time. And in four days understands it so much better now than she did before. And not because I am some magical person, just because I knew a couple of things to tell her to look out for. I took her, I I knew a couple of things to tell her to do. And I, and I changed her attitude about how to approach it. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, I get your point. Like, I get that if the bionic pancreas goes on and then six months later stops working, that you would you would genuinely have a person who was like, "I have no idea how to take care of myself." Yeah. Um, that that is scary too. But the whole th- what scares me the most is the apathy that grows after a while. You yeah. know, where um, my blood sugar is two hundred. This is the best I can do. I guess this is where my blood sugar is going to stay. And then, yeah,
1: so many people come in and they'll say, "Oh, things are things are going pretty good." Like, first thing, I'm always. You know, how are things going? Things are going well, good. You know, any issues, concerns? No, I think things are going pretty good. And then, you know, different people's concepts of good is so different. You Mm -hmm. know, I have someone that came the other day and, you know, her pump, you know, two week average was 129 and she was like, I'm doing okay. I'm like, really? (laughs) I'm like, you're doing beautifully. Let's just make sure you're not bottoming out all the time, you know, to achieve that. Um, And then, you know, the next person comes in and they have... Um, you know, their average is two twelve, you know, for two weeks. And, you know, to hit a reading below one hundred forty is was pretty shocking. You couldn't even see anything, you know, there. And they were saying it was okay. So it's like trying to change their two different people, like what's um what's safe, what's not okay. And just everyone perceives their um control so differently. And um that that's hard.
0: Do you talk to people differently if they have a glucose monitor versus not having one about being more aggressive with insulin? specifically yeah
1: yeah Yeah. they can i mean they can and honestly this week in my office um there have been a lot more people that have been asking about sensors you know some insurances are still kind of sticklers about it the the downside is i mean i do deal with type 2 diabetes as well is you know they don't get the coverage which stinks because i have a lot of people with type 2 that are on insulin that would really benefit all over and, and they would truly benefit but the insurance companies don't see it like that at this point buddy, buddy. Sorry.
0: <laughs> what's his what's his name can we call it uh colin how you doing man can you yeah. hear me
1: yeah he's now running he's like room. he's like It's no, um, sorry the one thing i do want to say though Please. before i forget this with the sensor is that i um exercise i know especially with kids um i know they've been going out to like the um camps and doing um trials every summer with the camps um, which is great because they're seeing You know, them right in the action of going crazy with sports in all ages. And it's wonderful. They're gonna be the ones to really test the waters. Um, but I have I usually do exercise each night. And so one, you know, when I was wearing the device, I found like one night I could see on my DEXCOM that I was kind of I was like starting off exercise 120. I was just kind of waiting to see what would happen. And by the end, I started to see, you know, it was nose diving down, it got to like 80 and it started looking like it was still dropping. And I got to the, it went to like 70 and I'm like, okay, am I going to have to treat? Am I going to, you know, right. just let it ride? And so I decided to let it ride because I felt fine. And then once it hit 70, all of a sudden my glucagon pump just started delivering. And next thing you know, I see it go to like 82 and then like 96 and then a hundred and then just coast at 110 how, and I didn't have to treat. And I was like, how awesome? Um, because every person that walks into my office always says, I know I need to exercise, but it defeats the whole purpose of me exercising when I exercise and then have to eat a gallon or drink a gallon of juice to help prevent me from dropping. And now what's the point? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. Like you're burning off all your calories and now you're drinking it all back up again. Yeah, Um, that's a great deal. How long does
0: it take that glucagon to work? How long from 70 to back to 110 was it?
1: That was within a 15 minute period. It was quick. I mean, it was fairly quick. I mean, it started going up. I could see very quickly it was starting to go up. But then, of course, it, it gives you a reading every five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to wait every five minutes to kind of see. But I was like, okay, I'm feeling okay. One time, I didn't. I felt I felt low, and I checked. And it, it was after a pretty significant exercise. And I I did hit, like, 65. And normally, I would have just said, let me see what's going to happen. Um, but I really just felt low. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, and I wrote the study monitors, you know, the doctors and I was like, I think I just want to treat. <laughs> and they were like, Go for it, you know, go do whatever you want to do.
0: Here's an interesting question about being on the on the on the bionic pancreas study. When you were sixty five, did you ever get your meter out to see did you ever check it against yeah. the DEXCOM? Yeah. yeah. How frequently was it not correct?
1: Um, it was usually my well, now this is I wear an omnipod as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I was um, one point difference the two times that happened with me. Like, so one said, like, whatever, 65, and one said 66. Like, it was right on the money.
0: Yeah. Dexcom's usually really, really accurate in the lower blood sugars. Yeah. Um, like, super accurate, actually. Um, because that's just, I mean, as you're thinking about it, like, you're – I mean, everyone who's used a glucose monitor has at one point or another been like, this thing tells me my blood sugar is 110 and I tested and I was 180. You know, like, and so what happens in that situation? Is that addressed in any way? Like, I mean, how do you come to market when you can't be 100% positive about it? Is it? Did, did anyone talk about that? Or even in your own experience, like, did you want, Did you find yourself wondering about it while it was happening?
1: If the sensor was accurate? Yeah. Um, I actually really wasn't, worried about it because I think I've been so comfortable with the Dexcom's accuracy, as long as I'm like calibrating it the way that I should. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm still checking, you know, it's not yeah. like, I'm not checking and I can, you know, if I feel, I thankfully feel my lows pretty well. So, you know, if I really felt low and it said I wasn't, I would have just gone to the Assumed. meter and checked. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I really didn't see a big difference with it at all. And I know that's part of the reason they chose Dexcom is because of its accuracy. I mean, and obviously if it's a reading that says, you know, you're 70 or 75, you know, move point, you're low, you know, or you're on that line. Right. Yeah. Um, But there wasn't any big discrepancies at all.
0: Good. Okay. Um, Psychologically, when you, when you came off of it, did it bum you out? Do you still, do you still feel the effects of the idea? Like that there's something out there that's better than what I'm doing. And I just want it back
1: yeah you know i think um I think it made me feel comfortable um overnight you know i've never, knock on wood i've never had a severe low I've never had a severe low excuse me meaning needing you know um nine one one assistance the glucagon anything like I've caught them all and I've had some you know pretty significant lows um but never an unconscious episode and so i um i don't feel like that's, you know, going to happen, but you never know. I mean, things could change, but I still felt comfortable being able to, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, just press the button see, okay, you're fine. And really see how steady it was. That for me was just so shocking to see how steady, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, your blood sugars are doing well, but you know, you're going from, you know, you know, 150 to 80 to bumping up going down, but to coast was just, uh, it was amazing to me. It's a different and feeling. Yeah, it's yeah. just a different feeling. And I think, you know, as everyone knows, when you're low, you don't you don't feel good. I mean, and then to go from a low then to often over treating, which happens, you know, a good chunk of the time, you then go from low to high and your body does feel like a roller coaster ride and you feel crummy. And, you know, I've heard my kids say, you know, you're cranky, you know, do you need juice or, you know, what's wrong? I'm like, Oh, great. I never thought uh,
0: about it that way. That's got to be a real indignity to have your small child be like, Hey mom. Small child. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's,
1: it's, okay. Well, I must be really rude today. Like I'm really mean, <laughs> mean mom today, but, um, you just don't feel great. And I, and I, um, you know, my husband the other day said to me, I was like, I'm starving, like to the point that like shaky starving, and he doesn't have diabetes, and mm-hmm. uh, he was like, I'm just really curious. Like, I feel awful, and I feel like I could eat everything in this cabinet right now. And I'm like, All right, I'm just curious. I'm like, well, I want to check your blood sugar, yeah. and so I did. And first of all, he was a total wimp and was like, Oh my gosh, that hurts so much. I was <laughs> like, You're such a baby. He's like, I can't believe you have to do this all the time. And then his blood sugar was like 82, and I was like, Okay, I'm like so. Imagine that, and how you feel, I'm like, and imagine the time that I was twenty three yeah. you know or you know thirty five when I was pregnant, and you know you just you go your body goes through so much, mm-hmm. and um people don't can't understand it unless you've been there and either seen it in action with a loved one or felt it, and it's just not fun, you know it tuckers you out, you're exhausted, and um to have coasting blood sugars where you're high after a meal. Hits a 140. I'd take that as a pretty successful day. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I, I and, would and say. Be happy
1: about it, and be happy that I can exercise and actually feel like I can exercise and not bottom out and um, and feel safe about it. Yeah, or like go for really a affect walk.
0: your health and your body instead yeah. of just you know staying moving. Well, Arden, you know, after having never heard this phrase obviously online or from me, uh, after a pretty bad low recently she used the phrase, I felt like I could have eaten the kitchen. And I've heard other people say those words. And so it must be a a pretty specific feeling if everyone feels exactly the same way after they've had that thought. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm, yeah, talk about
1: like all of a sudden. And then at the very end, you see like wrappers and stuff all over. You're like, oh gosh, look yeah. what I just like <laughs> took in today? What I do? And like and now it's like, well, what do I do to cover that? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> you know? the
0: real boy. That's the real nerve moment too, isn't it? When you your blood sugar was just thirty, and ten minutes later, you're like, I got a bolus right now. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's a that's a big leap to make. It really is. So
1: yeah. And most people never want to do it or they don't do it. And that's why you then see the 400 later.
0: I am Um, bolusing in those situations with my eyes closed, like going like, come on, like, I don't want to do this all day. And I don't want her to feel like this again. You know, it's funny. Like, so Arden's 11 and she's hit a growth spurt of the last, in the last couple of, but in the last couple of, I would say six weeks, there's been a lot of growing going on. And her endo day is actually today. So she's getting her A1C done in about four hours from now. And I'm pretty sure... Her, her A1Cs for almost two years has been right around six, 6.2, 5.9, like right in that range. And and every time we go, I say to her, look, prepare yourself. I think it's going to go up this time. And sometimes it, it doesn't. And she laughs at me. But it, it this is the time. It's going to go up. Like, I really struggled mightily to to handle blood sugars for a few big chunks of time in the in this last three months and even yesterday as I've finally gotten things back under control and I guess her growth period has kind of slowed down I if you looked at her graph from yesterday her 24-hour graph she was only above 150 like four times but the graph is so jagged like I was fighting constantly all day long like I couldn't yeah. just get it to be steady and steady is something that I can accomplish you know a number of times a week you know for for long periods of time like her on an average day when things are going the way i expect it to she goes over about 150 once or twice and only stays that high for about an hour and so like that's a, for me that's my great day that's that's where i know i did everything the way i know i can but that's when there's no outside influence. There's no growth spurts. There's no...
1: Yeah, you, um, you aren't in control of puberty. And, right, and that's right. why they up the A1C thresholds when kids are going through puberty. So because, people will
0: be more aggressive about it. And, and, yeah. But
1: they, they give you more... Um, you know, the numbers do go up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. targets only because that's not something, once again, that's in your control. Sure. I mean, you can control what she's eating and carb counting and, you know, all that good stuff, but you can't control puberty and it's a hard inside one. What's happening
0: your body? Well, she, yeah. got, she got hit, I think I talked about it already, but it, she got hit by a softball. Uh, she was pitching and she got a batted ball that came back and hit her in the knee. And
1: mm-hmm. for
0: three days, her blood sugar was high, just, I think, from the pain in her knee.
1: Pain, yeah. Yeah,
0: and I was just like, I, I mean... Of all the things I never assumed, like, you know, like bolusing for pain was, I've, I've learned to bolus for food, you know, for highs, for, in, for adrenaline. I didn't know I was going to have to uh, bolus for basically what I guess I'm guessing was cortisol, like from like yep. the pain response. Yeah. Yeah. It's something new and fun, like every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: the roller coaster I, ride. It's just such an exciting <laughs>
0: idea to think that there's something that's only a couple of years away that would just be like, oh, you're feeling pain, your cortisol's up. I'll give you more insulin. You know that that sort of thing is that's exciting. You it's know? like
1: Big Brother having another thing there to help you. You know, and and um, you know, I, I know, like at the end of the study, you know, the group of us, there was ten of us that were in this round, and um, you know, they had asked, you know, would you. If this was out, you know, to market, you know, with, um, they asked potentially if it was out with insulin first before the glucagon piece of it, because if FDA, because glucagon is the new, new piece of it. So if it, if they go to market with insulin and then, you know, six months later, go to glucagon, would we go on it with insulin first, mm-hmm. you know, or would we just want to wait? And everyone was like, God, yes, give it to me the minute it comes out. I mean, there was no hesitation for everyone that was in there and people ranged from you know, probably, you know, early twenties to probably, you know, late sixties that were in the group and everyone hands down was like, this is amazing. You know? So
0: their experience was so much so that when they were faced with like, I can only have half of this, they were like, I'll take it. Take it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Take it, take it, take it. Well, that
0: is really something else. So, So then with that idea, and you do hear a lot of people talking now about, I think, um, like I mentioned it earlier, the JDRF's been talking a lot about it lately about closed loop closed loop. I really trip over that, don't I? Closed yeah. loop <laughs> systems that um that don't have glucagon, um, it makes you feel like in the coming years that most insulin pumps will, I guess, do suspends and things like that to try to uh, to avoid those too.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good. Um- I think that would be great. The one thing I have to say and 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 I know I might not make some people happy about this, but it's what I see with constant people coming into my office is you can have a device that's going to threshold suspend or stop you, you know, from going low, but your device needs to actually be accurate. You right. know, so That's the issue currently is that they, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's out there is not accurate. And I have probably 70% of patients come in completely frustrating, ripping things off them saying, I'm done, you know, I'm turning off this device, you know, I'll just use it as a pump, there's no point, um, or switching to a different sensor to say altogether, I just will even wear a whole new device if it means I can have accurate data. So Mm -hmm. I think it all comes down to... How accurate this device is? Because yeah. if it's not accurate, it just doesn't. Matter. They can say everything that they want, but it's just not going to fly.
0: Right, right. It, it's meaningless if it doesn't work yeah.
1: correctly. It can, yeah. can
0: work, but not if it if it's not accurate. It's the right word. I was looking for a better word, but there isn't one. Without, no. Yeah, without the accuracy, it's all meaningless.
1: I I actually put someone on yesterday. I have someone that you know is wearing another sensor and um and and their pump as well. And she, uh, you know, her mom's an endo. <laughs> And she came in to me and I've seen her for a long time. And she just said, I am so frustrated. Like, I can't deal with this anymore. She's really smart. Like, she's got her stuff together. And she's like, I need a different sensor. I need to try something different. So I have one, um, you know, professional one for Dexcom and I put it on her and I said, all right, here you go. We're the both. I'm like, see your pros and cons. I'll be curious to see like what your thoughts are and accuracy, you know, you like one versus the other, like what? And she's like, I can't wait for this. She's right. like, so this whole next week, she's going to be doing that. And um, she's like, I, I'm i excited. And she's like, I'm going to be logging everything down. I'm like, I know you will. But um, it'll be interesting to see because she's got both of them on at the same exact time, same exact, you know, eating, everything's the same. And we'll see kind of what her results come out as.
0: Well, it really is. And, and I, I know what I expect her her experience to be like. And it, it it's tough because it sounds like you're trumpeting for one company over the other. But- you know that Dexcom is really that's the gold standard at this point you know and whatever else exists in the market it, you know it just doesn't do the same job and so you know at some point you, you got to just say that you you, you know right. yeah and that, and And I,
1: I I like and like I said like I feel bad but I I um you know to be fair the population that I do have you know probably you know 80% of my patients are you know mini med pumpers so nothing against their pump it's just the sensor that is just not been accurate. And, and, you know, some people, I think, um, you know, they find that it's been okay, but just, you know, lots of calibration errors or this, that, and the other. Um, but it once it'll get there, I'm sure. I mean, they're going to have to get it up to par so that, you know, it can compete with it and they will, I mean, they're a big company, like they're going to, it's just what's out there today has not, um, you know, followed into, uh, what I was hoping would be when, when it had the whole threshold suspend because now I just have patients that go high,
0: you know? And it stinks too, because it's no matter if it's a bigger company or a smaller company, and some of them are smaller, you know, um, you know, insulin's a smaller company, maybe a bigger company. Even if you're a big company, it's not, you're not making a ton of money on insulin pumps. So it's, it's hard for them to do the R and D that's necessary because, they're not they're not seeing the return. even if even if the whole world decided to put on a mini med insulin pump, they still might not be making enough money to to do the r and d that's really necessary, which is where you have to really give it to dexcom for for saying, In the beginning, we don't even care if we make money. Like we're going to use our 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 startup cap our capital to make this right, and then we'll worry about making money later. Like,
1: and don't get me wrong, I was on Dexcom when it first came out. It was horrible.
0: Oh no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arden didn't have Arden didn't have the one you had probably, but we started with the seven plus, and it basically the seven plus was the arrow. Like, that's exactly. how I thought of it. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. is she going up or is she going down? This number I don't even look at.
1: I, I finally tore it off during my first pregnancy and because the alarm would go off so much that it said I was low when I wasn't and I couldn't get the alarm to stop. So I would hide it in my guest room under the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I would do anything to just get the sound to go away. To make it, and stop. it was, Yeah, I was like, just stop. Love God. But, um, such a you know, leap but, to
0: now though, huh?
1: Such a leap. And yeah. the same thing, I mean, that's going to be where everything goes, but you know, Today, I'm happy with the stuff that I have, you know, until a bionic pancreas type thing comes out, you know, what I have, I'm, you know, I'm happy with, yeah. I just, you know, would be happier with the bionic, with the bionic pancreas. pancreas.
0: I think also my daughter uses the same pairing that you do and and we're, yep. re- you know, really happy with how it works. So that's so cool. What insulin do you use? I didn't ask you.
1: Um, I'm on Humalog right now. Every year it switches depending upon insurance.
0: Okay. Do you fight with, <laughs> do you fight with them or you just go with it?
1: Um, I, Novalog and Humalog, I really don't see a difference for me personally. Um, so I don't fight with it. I more fight my battles. I'm getting more test strips because they like to limit me pretty significantly. So I use my battle fighting to, <laughs> to So line. interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, Kelly, I, it, we're right at an hour. So thank you so much. I, I can't believe that you were able to do this with, small children in the house and there wasn't really very much noise Uh, so that was really cool and it was really great to hear your insight as somebody who's gone through the trial I will ask you when we're done if you could send me an email with um like the bionic pancreas like links and stuff like that and back to the hospital because I will put them in the show notes so people can go back and, and see um you know, see what you were involved in. And if you have any pictures that you'd want to yeah, share no, yourself with it, that. we'll, we'll okay. add it along with everything else. And thank you so much.
1: Great. No problem. Thank you.
0: Kelly, you were great. I, uh, I appreciate your time.
1: Okay. Thank, right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.
0: Okay. First off, did I tell you Kelly was going to be great? She is fantastic. Um, But here's what I'm going to pop in at the end here, and I hope you're still listening. Next week's episode, episode 43 with actor Victor Garber. You're going to know Victor from something. Titanic, Alias, Legally Blonde, The Flash, his new show, Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, mean, this guy has been acting his whole life, but he's also had type 1 diabetes since he's 13. And if you like this podcast because of the way I have conversations with people who have type 1 diabetes, you are just going to love talking to Victor because I don't change anything. Victor doesn't get the I'm famous treatment. I'm not scared to talk to Victor. Victor's not scared to talk to me. We are just two people talking about type 1 diabetes, and he is a genuinely good person. Before his episode next week, I am going to tell you a story about how I completely screwed up the recording with Victor's episode, and and then you will really hear what a good guy he is. Do me a favor. Subscribe now. Tell a friend. I will be back